for the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education. And it's my pleasure to welcome you here to the War Memorial Opera House in San Francisco and welcome you to the second program in San Francisco Ballet's 82nd repertory season. This season is noteworthy for some significant anniversaries, mainly that this is Helgi Thomason's 30th anniversary as artistic director, and that is a feat for any ballet company anywhere in the world, any time in history. So that's pretty cool. And, of course, I want to welcome you to our Points of View program uh, this evening, Wednesday, February 4th, 2015. These Points of View programs and other adult education programs are produced by the Center for Dance Education. They produce any number of things for children, both here in the Opera House and out in the community, as well as... <coughs> excuse me. Um, the Ballet 101 program, the Talks on Ballet, and many of you are probably familiar with the Meet the Artist interviews that take place one hour before curtain on either Friday nights or Sunday matinees to uh, those who are holding tickets. These programs, of course, are free and open to the public whether or not you're holding a ticket which leads me to a little segue, and that is when the program is over, I will have some choreography for you to um, master as we leave the Opera House and get ready for the actual performance, but we can <clears throat> deal with that when we get to it. I do want to remind you, those of you who don't, of course, already know that these programs are recorded for podcasting, and you can go to the website, sfballet.org, where you can find the um, podcasts for these programs, many other interviews and um, lecture programs. There's lots on that website, so I hope you're very familiar with it and will spend time surfing that, the website, sfballet.org. Um, I do have another little item of housekeeping. Some of you may already know about the lookbook. This is a very exciting new thing this season. We have, um, it's a souvenir collector's item featuring gorgeous full color photographs of our dancers taken exclusively by uh, photographer Eric Thomason. The book is on sale in the boutique up on the box level. And so if you are holding a ticket tonight, I hope you will run up there and get your copy. If you're coming back to another performance, be sure that you put that on your to-do list. And you will be, want, be very happy to get the lookbook with these great pictures, anecdotes, stories about the company, stories about the dancers, something we've been looking forward to for quite a long time. Um, the topic tonight, of course, is Giselle, this great, great ballet in the, in the canon and a great challenge for all of the dancers, particularly for the lead role of Giselle. And it is just an unbelievable pleasure for me to have with me tonight, for your pleasure, um, these two principal dancers in principle of in all time dancers. And so I would first like to introduce on my far right, Joanna Berman. Joanna was born and raised in San Rafael, received early training at the Marin Ballet. 
1984, after one year at San Francisco Ballet School, she joined the company, was promoted to soloist in 1987. In 88, she became a principal dancer and was one of the most celebrated members of San Francisco Ballet before her retirement in 2002. <clears throat> During her tenure, she danced the lead role in full-length works such as Giselle and Swan Lake and The Sleeping Beauty and Romeo and Juliet and numerous other contemporary and classical works. Joanna had works created for her by choreographers such as Mark Morris, Christopher Wielden, Helgi Thomason, William Forsyth, David Bentley, Julia Adam, Yuri Posikoff, Val Canaparoli, and many others. She's the recipient of two Isadora Duncan Awards in 1994 and in 2000, the Isadora Duncan Awards known locally as the Izzies. And in addition to these extensive performance credits, Joanna is in demand as a teacher and has served as a guest teacher for San Francisco Ballet, Australian Ballet, Oregon Ballet Theater, Pacific Northwest Ballet, Ballet British Columbia, Les Grands Ballets Canadiens, Houston Ballet, Atlanta Ballet, there must be others. <laughs> a couple others. Um, since 2013, Joanna has been a guest faculty member at San Francisco Ballet School. So we have you close to home again. Thank you for being here. Please welcome Joanna. And then to my immediate right, Frances Chung who trained in her native Vancouver, British Columbia. She was a finalist and prize winner at the Prix de Lausanne in 2000 and received the top honor of a silver medal at the Adeline Genet Awards in London the same year before joining San Francisco Ballet in 2001. She was promoted to soloist in 2005 to principal dancer in 2009. She received an Izzy for Outstanding Achievement in Performance as an individual in for the 2013 season. Congrats on that. She has performed leads in a number of the established classics, including The Nutcracker, Kitri in Our Don Quixote, Swanilda in Balanchine's Coppelia, and Cinderella, as well as a stepsister in Wielden's Cinderella. But she makes her debut in the great dramatic classic roles in this season's Giselle. And some of you might have been lucky enough to have caught that performance Saturday, I believe it was, last Saturday. So thank you for being here, Francis, and please welcome Francis Chan. Thank you for Chung. having me. <clears throat> so, Giselle. This is one of two or three works that are universally accepted as the very greatest in our canon of classics. As I mentioned, it's unquestionably the greatest ballet of the Romantic era. It was created at the Paris Opera in 1841. I may even have some notes here that will... 1841 is not on that list, but there you go. Um, as part of a contemporary repertoire, it challenges a company's grasp of style. It demands a highly competent and disciplined corps de ballet. It offers several solo artists the opportunity to portray dramatic supporting roles. It offers three principal dancers 
roles exceedingly difficult, both technically and dramatically, and it offers a ballerina role of unparalleled demands. They're nodding. Um, it offers the audience a universally appealing story of the human condition involving love, betrayal, forgiveness, redemption. You can read the story in detail in your program notes, which I hope you will do if you haven't already. Um, Helgi, as part of his mission to assure that his dancers would always have access to the classics, premiered this production in 1999. So let's begin there. And Joanna was dancing in the company in 1999, had been for many years, and you were among the several Giselles in that very first production. And it seems like it was a long time ago. Do you it was a lifetime ago, in fact. <laughs> yeah. A couple lifetimes. Yeah. Um, looking back, I'm sure that there was, we had already done um, Swan Lake. We had already done Sleeping Beauty. So this is the third big one. Um, you were, of course, cast among a, a very small handful. Do you remember how you approached this challenge as opposed to the other challenges? Well, the main difference, of course, is the romantic style. So um, <clears throat> in Sleeping Beauty and Swan Lake, you've got the pancake tutu, and you have a very particular kind of technique. Even those two are quite different from each other. But um, w once you're in the uh, romantic style, the whole carriage of the body um, changes, changes everything, really. And the approach, I mean, to me, the approach is just completely different. It's, it's gentler, and, and f also for me, her, Giselle's character is much mm. more meaty and uh, multidimensional, um, frankly, than, <laughs> certainly than Sleeping Beauty. Oh, yeah, sorry. Certainly than Sleeping Beauty. Of course, you've got two distinct dimensions in Swan Lake, the, the white and the black, very different and a lot of fun for that reason. But here is a, is a character that, kind, that carries a lot with her from the, from the moment she enters. And I, I love that. So I love that that <clears throat> is something you must investigate before you even step out on stage. Mm -hmm. Because it really matters uh, how she, every little move is affected by who she is, I, I think. Francis, you, um, we've just said you performed your very first Giselle. Um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I can only imagine that the prospect of taking on a role that has this much significance, both in the abstract historical and in the, in the legends of the ballerinas, um, how did you feel when they told you you would be learning Giselle? Um, at first, just, I, I was pretty overwhelmed, um, but I, I kind of just took it one day at a time. I knew I didn't have a lot of time, um, but yeah, every day I would just focus on being present in the rehearsal and focusing on little sections, um, but 
It, it definitely got overwhelming at times. Like Joanna was saying, the second you step on stage, there's, there's already, you're, you have this vulnerability and, and, um, and euphoria. And just within the first act, you go from uh, this vulnerable, innocent little girl into someone who's um, mature enough to go mad because of a broken heart. And um, yeah, I think I stayed very much in the moment with every rehearsal in order to be able to handle um, just obviously there's the technical aspect of it, but really more than anything, the, uh, the like men my mental state. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Joanna, say a couple of words about who is this girl? Who is Giselle? We talk so much about how important this role is. Why? So this, these would be my words. Uh, I don't think there's a real, you know, there's not just one way to look at her. Uh -huh. You can watch a lot of, I did watch a lot of videos of ballerinas from many uh, different backgrounds and eras. Uh -huh. And I found it really interesting how different they could be. Um, so I've had to really choose things that resonated for me, really made sense uh -huh. to me. So. I think, as, as Francis said, vulnerable for sure, innocent at least at the beginning. Um, I, without it becoming too, too much, I think there's just a little bit of tragicness about her. I mean, because of her frail heart, you know, that she's not just, it's not Capelia. You don't come out and, with your peasant skirt and just <laughs> free, you, she's not, um, She's not carefree. She's mm -hmm. not. I, but I, I didn't want to portray a, you know, a, you know, a poor, you know, wallflower who can't, you know, do anything because she has a weak heart, and yet it just didn't feel right to be completely joyous and mm -hmm. without worry. So it's a little complicated. Mm -hmm. I guess that's more than two words. <laughs> um, but but she loves to dance more than anything. So that love of dance has to happen that the energy has to be there, but I felt always with a little, just a little sense of tragedy in there, like she, she has lived not well, and with a mother who is worried all the time, and uh, that, that needs to be at some level felt by the audience, just at some level. Francis, in, in describing how you looked at her and who she was, is, that you were trying to embody. You had the advantage that perhaps Joanna didn't have of having grown up in this company, performing Giselle every few years, whereas for you, of course you saw Giselle's done by other companies and you saw movies, films, but um, it was the first time this company had done the full-length production. So back to you, Francis. What, um, how did it inform your interpretation, let's say, that you had watched so many different ballerinas here and you've danced any number of other roles in the production? Well, I think having danced other roles in the ballet really familiarized me with the music, um, knowing, say, what the friends do, 
uh, in interaction with Giselle. Um, and then say, I did Mirta last year, actually. Was it last year we did Giselle? Yeah. And so knowing the musicality between her interactions with Mirta really helped me um, kind of propel forward. So I, don't ha I didn't have to worry so much about those things. Um, but I think just having been on stage with so many d different Giselles really allowed me to um, see different interpretations as well as um, just how, so it's one thing to feel innocent or to feel vulnerable, but it's a whole different thing to be able to express it with your body because you, you, there's no talking, there's, um, you know, there's no subtitles anywhere. It's really just your pantomime and your body and your face. And so um, before I danced the role, I, I researched a lot too, watched a lot of different videos. And so um, I, I think, yeah, having experienced all of that really kind of made me aware of how to how to use my body to express how I wanted to feel. And even then, a lot of times, um, Lola Diavla, who comes to coach uh, stage Giselle for us, um, even then she'd be like, actually, you look sad here. You don't look like you're shy or whatnot. And so I think just having knowledge of that really, it kind of made the transition easier. So, cause, oh, I realized when I look away and, and frown my eyebrows, um, it, you know, having her tell me that, it, it makes complete sense. And then I remember, say, Joanna or Sarah, or people I've seen in the past, I'm like, oh yeah, that's what they look like when they're shy and yeah, kind of <laughs> transfers over. The coaching then is, one of the things we could spend a long time on. What I thought I'd do right now is show us some images of um, the first act, and then we need to start talking about the second act. We've really talked about um, this vulnerable peasant girl, and that's, of course, who she is, but that's only half the ballet. Um, we are looking at, guess who? Um, this is a picture taken of Joanna. I didn't know they had color back then. <laughs> Um, I believe your partner was Pierre-Francois in this iteration. I know you danced with a number of different partners. Yes, I did. <clears throat> and this is from our current production. Um, this is a very um, charming moment, which is, uh, I don't know, why don't you, Joanna, explain what they're doing right there. Well, um, Albrecht has just professed his love, or swears his love okay. to Giselle, and that's just too much for her to, it's too intense. So she says, I, I know a way to really, uh, to, to know if our love is true. And she goes and she picks a daisy to do, he loves me, he loves me not. And she, after she picks the daisy, she runs over to the bench and he follows her and off she goes to show him, you know, he loves me, he loves me not, you know, and <laughs> off it goes. So that's that moment. And there's, it's actually got a, cute little Great. trick to it, so watch for the trick. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'm looking at Sarah Van Patten, who is this evening's Giselle, by the way. That will be a special treat. 
Um, and here's another great moment. We talked about having character roles for a variety of soloists. Um, here is Giselle with the princess, Batilda. And Batilda is this elegant, um, noble woman. And she and Giselle share girl talk in 19th century classical ballet form. Um, but this is the, uh, the moment when they are confiding girls', girls secrets to each other. <clears throat> Before we move on to the next act, this is the famous mad scene. And every ballerina who ever imagines doing a dramatic role is faced with how do we survive the mad scene? And what are you really, what's happening to you in the mad scene? Joanna, oh go. <laughs> I, um, I actually found that a very difficult um, process. I, I, by the time I performed it, I, I felt pretty, um, it felt organic. But it took me a while. I don't know how you felt about it. It just, it's, it's, it's kind of strange. You know, like I've done mad scenes with different guys, but you know, like Medea or something <laughs> like that, that's just kind of clearer. The, but there's some key things in the mad, in it, I think every mad scene, it's almost like the four swans. There are just certain things that appear in, the mad, in every mad scene, and there are in, in ours. Mm -hmm. And for me, I, it, was, it took a while for me to find a line from the beginning to the end of that mad scene that made sense for me so that I didn't feel like I was just doing what I was supposed to do or what everybody is expecting. And I have to say, it was, not, it was oddly difficult for me. Like, I was looking forward to it, and then when I got there, we were like, you know, figuring out how to... Um, Again, have, just have it be organic from beginning to end, because it's, it's so, so very different from everything you've done in the rest of the act. Frances, why is she, why has she gone mad? Basically of a broken heart. Um, that's really interesting that you say that, because the mad scene was the most daunting uh, as, uh, part of Giselle for me before I even started, and the second we got into the rehearsal room and... I let my hair down. Literally. Literally. <laughs> literally. Um, I got more and more comfortable with it. And, and then I remember my first stage rehearsal. And there were, you know, the staff was sitting at the edge of the stage. And there was, um, you know, a whole, uh, you know, all my friends and the peasants behind me. It was, I really got into it. I, it for me, the mad scene kind of sums up the entire first act. And... Um, but in a, the opposite perspective of um, young love, it's tragic love, really. But um, I think when I was rehearsing it, Loella would always refer each section to um, different parts of the first act. You know, there's the flower and, and the part where you, you're dancing with Albrecht and... and um, there's actually something very specific she told me about the mad scene. She had seen a picture of my husband and I, actually, and it was like one of our wedding photos, and she's like, you have to think of that during this moment when um, it's in the middle of the mad scene and you're doing the, the slow rond de jambe uh, en boite section, and um, 
that really, really helped me. So, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think having different imageries and, and uh, yeah, by the time I did it on stage, I, it was very exciting. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, and I'm sure it's, it's not a spoiler to say that it doesn't end well for Giselle. <laughs> um, at the end of this scene, you get to die. And um, the rest of, this, of the cast, the villagers, the other main characters, are then reacting to the fact that you have died. And then we have an intermission, and then we have the second act. And, oh, I'm sorry, here's one more in that. Uh, just as you were referring to how it retells the story, this is a moment in, from earlier in the He's, first half. He swore. Yeah. He swore he loved me. That's what yeah. she's saying there, yeah. yeah. Um, so, the second act is, is absolutely um, classic, classic romantic ballet because we are in another world. We have gone to the other side. And that was quite an obsession with the romantics, was the supernatural. And all of the great, all of the romantic ballets, some of them we don't even remember, but we have images, pictures from them, were about different kinds of spirits. They, the spirits of trees, and the spirits of water, and the spirits of flowers. And so these are willies. Now, what is a willy? <laughs> Who would like to dis define a willy? Um, from what I know, basically uh, virgins, women who've died before they've gotten married and um, are out to get men, <laughs> are out to revenge on, on men. So they're not very kind to men. And uh, yeah, I guess they're... But they're betrayed. They're right. Betrayed True. women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah, they died before... So justified. Yeah. Well... They died before their weddings by being betrayed or jilted, which is why they hate men. So the whole deal is any man who wanders into this glade in the forest where the willies have come up out of their graves, and various productions do that with more or less realism, um, there is a production I've seen a picture of where they just they have moss and stuff hanging off of them, and it kind of sheds as they do the dancing, um, in any case. So then Giselle is being initiated into this sisterhood. So um, here we have Giselle, and she's introduced to, you mentioned you danced the role of Myrta, so we should define who Myrta is. She's basically the queen of the willies, so she's in control of this kingdom of willies, and um, the interaction, interactions between Giselle and Myrta and Albrecht and Myrta is, is basically, she tells Albrecht that he, he must dance until his death, and the same goes with Hilarion, who wanders into this forest of willies. That's Hilarion is another character from the first act who you can read the notes and you'll <laughs> figure out who Hilarion is. Um, the challenges technically, Joanna, talk about dancing a willy. 
for me, I don't know how other Giselles feel. I really, it's, for me, I guess in any full-length ballet, you have your acts that feel more comfortable. You prefer white or black swan. You prefer first, second, or third act in Sleeping Beauty. We all have our own, for whatever reason. I like the first act of Giselle. <laughs> the second act, for me, I, I loved it. I, I, I shouldn't say that. I loved doing the second act, but it was a lot scarier for me just because of the particulars to the technique, mm -hmm. like that thing there. Oh. And, um, you know, just having to be so solid for certain technical moments. The, the, I, had mo I had moments that were really scary for me. And you say solid technically. Yeah. But what's the catch? Oh, yeah. So solid meaning you don't want anybody in the audience to be white-knuckled on their seats. Like, ah, oh, is she going to make it? But in fact, you have to look, you know, light as a spirit. So it has to look completely effortless, light. Um, and uh, But in fact, it's really, uh, it, you have to be grounded, in fact, to make it work. Mm -hmm. So there are things in, not, not the whole second act, there are just things in the second act where I go, here we go, here we go, that I didn't love. And just flat out difficult, technically. Just flat out difficult, yeah. Um, both of you were, both of you were, are renowned for being very strong technically as dancers. Francis, I just always think of you as being such an extraordinary, rock-solid, technically, dancer. And here you are doing this second act with your rock-solid technique. Talk about layering on that, that bit of otherworldliness. Well, the first thing that uh, I was coached on was really my upper body. I, you know, it's so funny. We had the complete opposite experience of Giselle, I think. By the time I finished the first act, I felt so much calmer because I think more, phys more than physically, like mentally, I felt like the first, the first act had so much more. Like I felt quite overwhelmed with the first act and everything that I had to emote. But by the time the second act came, it was just one thing. You were outer-worldly. Like that was the only thing that you really had to concentrate on. And granted, you know, a devil pay in the center of the stage with a spotlight coming at you is not the easiest thing. But um, uh, Lola actually t mentioned something about old photos of ballerinas and how they always had like a, an elongated neck to one side. And I remember. One night I was just looking at all these black and white old photos of ballerinas, and that's kind of the second act to me. It's not only do you have to have rock solid technique, but there's like this extra elongation in your upper body to kind of fulfill that romantic ballet era. You know, not only do you have the long tutus, but um, I don't know, maybe it's like yearning for him because you can't actually, you're not actually touching him and, you know, you're, you're ethereal. So, I don't know, the only way you can communicate to him is just by having this, like, yearn in your upper body. <laughs> That's what I thought of the second act. That's a good image, good image. And that is a, a 
sorry. I, I, Please. <clears throat> I really love that aspect of the second act, too. I mean, it does, it totally takes you where you need to go. The, the, the minute you, you, just as you said, Francis, the minute you, that is what makes it the romantic ballet, that's when you feel, you, I mean, you feel like a romantic ballerina, like the minute you um, really make that your priority. And, and a lot follows when you can find that feeling. Mm -hmm. A lot does follow. But, you know, anyway, I won't go on. That's, that's okay. Um, I did want to pause briefly to remind our audience that we really encourage you to ask us some questions in about two more minutes. And we have this um, bit of a challenge to get to this mic, which is right here at the foot of the aisle, right in front of the orchestra pit. So if you're thinking of a question for either Joanna or Francis, now might be your time to start making your way to this, um, to the mic here in the center aisle, and uh, then that way everyone can hear your question, we can hear your question, and uh, we hope you have some. So that, that will be in just a couple of minutes. Uh, I did want to ask a couple more questions, just sort of one question of each of you. I want to make sure we've covered all of these beautiful pictures of Giselle and Albrecht, her love, who has come to mourn her in the forest glade. And here's this wonderful picture. We're back to Joanna. Um, Joanna, you chose the ballet Giselle, as I understand it, for your farewell performance. Is there anything about that choice that you would share with us? I hope this doesn't ruin anything for you, Mary. I actually, I actually did not choose Giselle. Oh, well, okay. Which is okay. I was thrilled that that's what it was. I wouldn't change a thing. It was Helgi's idea. Okay. So he well, just he came knew. to me and said, and I had started to think, he, he was so wonderful for a while. We were, I had decided I thought it might be time soon to retire and I really wanted to try to have kids. and. He kind of said, how about six more months? And then, how about six more months? So we had sort of gone on like this for a little while. And he was always very supportive. But I had started thinking, oh, you know, like what might I do for my last show? And like thinking about all my favorite things over the many years. And never talked about it, just thought about it. And then he just came up to me and said, guess what? You're doing Giselle for your last show. <laughs> so um, that was that was a real gift, that's what I think about that. It wasn't my choice, it was a real gift. It was, and I don't know, I'm gonna do something funny. Is there anyone in this audience who saw that last performance? A bunch of people. And um, I hope this doesn't sound crude, but I always said if I was hit by a bus on the way home, I would have died happy. Because it was a splendid. Giselle, on Thank any count. You. Thank you so much. But Mary. with your special career just vibrating throughout the performance, it was pretty great. Thank you so much. And one of our favorite ballets. So there you are. Um, before we get verklempt here, Francis, you've now got one under your belt. Um, do you have any any revelations that? as you say, okay, I did it, I survived it, and now I'm looking forward to an opportunity to do another one. Any, anything that you're going to, any inspirations came from that? 
I think I'm really just going to look forward to having it in your body. Anytime you uh, bring a ballet back, your body automatically is like, oh my gosh, I remember this. So you don't have to focus on, say, learning the steps or um, learning the musicality. It's, it's a little bit more a part of you. So I'm really looking forward to just Giselle, the character, being more a part of my body. And so, you know, instead of thinking, okay, now this is when I'm going to go pick the flower, it's just going to happen because, because um, you know, it came, it came to my mind, you know? So, yeah, I think I'm looking forward to more spontaneity and, and um, yeah. I'm hoping that some of you have formed some questions that you would like to ask. Is anybody going to... Would it be possible for you to make your way to the mic? It's really hard for us to hear if you're not in the mic. I, somebody's raising a hand, but it would be great if you'd come down. Meanwhile, yes. Yeah, this can be addressed to both of them. We're used to, in the classical ballet, seeing the male dancer spending a lot of his efforts supporting or seeming to support the female dancer. And in the final dance, we create the impression here in, in Giselle of Giselle supporting Aldrich. And since that's such a switch, at least to the layman's perspective, how do you handle that? Summer, she said, it's my photo, go ahead. What does that mean? <laughs> um, that's a great question. Uh, well, the th I don't know if this is even answering your question exactly. <clears throat> what I, my favorite thing about Giselle, both acts, <laughs> is the story and um, how every entrance, every, every dance, every entrance, if it's with a, a jug of water for you know, the noblemen or whatever it is, or your variations coming next, or whatever you might be doing, it's all about furthering the story. And that's what I love about it. It's not like walking out in silence and then having to do a hard solo. It's, you know, this entrance is, is rescuing him, or, the, or this one is thanking Mathilde for the necklace. There, there's a real motivation behind every single moment and certainly every dance so it just makes I don't know it just makes sense with the story she Giselle never becomes that angry Willie she never does she has such true love for him and I think she I think she's quite a forgiving character so she's never she never become and even even um Myrta loses her power when she sees the love that's still between them so for so at the end, you know, just helping him, like, just keep going, keep going until the sun comes up. Just keep going, and you'll, you'll live when this, that's the way the story goes. They disappear in the, in, in the sunlight when the sun comes up. So, so you're supporting him. You're, you've been supporting him. You know, it just, it's a logical end that you're just saying, come on, come on, come on. Keep it together. Uh, and, and he does. And yeah. so... It just, it's, a, it's, a, it's great. I mean, it's such a wonderful, honest kind of way to 
dance, I think, not just, you know, here I am, get me on my leg, get me on my leg, you know, it's wonderful. <laughs> so satisfying for that reason. Francis, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I th well, for me, I had two months to prepare for this ballet, and among other ballets we're performing right now, and so I, you don't have time to focus on, or I didn't have time to focus on the technique or the steps itself, and so, you know, I think a lot of times when you're preparing a full-length ballet, you practice all the potages, you practice all the solos, um, whereas when we're in the studio, we really just, you have to start from the beginning. Like, it's, it's hard to rehearse this ballet if you don't, you're not telling the story constantly. So, yeah, I think that actually helped me with the technical difficulties, because I didn't really have time to think about it. <laughs> I've uh, watched uh, this ballet a number of times and have five videos. I've always been puzzled by why Hilarion who is so loyal to Giselle in the first act, gets wasted by the willies in the second. <laughs> so, what is the story there? You could probably answer this well, Mary, but I, I, that's, that's a good point. He was a good guy. He didn't betray Giselle. I guess they didn't discern. He was a man, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's just that simple. He was a man entering their territory. I think that, yeah, historically, the, the whole plot turns on the fact that Giselle, and this is a very romantic notion, and when I say, I say romantic in the period sense, um, Giselle loves Albrecht, and there are many interpretations for Albrecht. We could do another whole 45 minutes on Albrecht, but um, he, by the second act, um, realizes he really loved her. And that true love is, rises above everything, rises above the legend of the Willies. And so when Hilarion doesn't have a chance, he's, he, the Willies just destroy any man that's in their path. Mm -hmm. We have time, oops, we're just about out of time. We have time for your question, thank you. My question touches a little bit on what you were just saying. I've, I've seen some different interpretations of Albrecht and Hilarion, some Albrechts who were maybe a bit of a cad and some Hilarions who were louts and some that you felt sorry for and some Albrechts who really genuinely seemed to love Giselle all the way through. I wondered how your different co-characters influenced your interpretation of the role, especially as you danced it with different partners. Wow. Um, oh, gosh. That's a great, okay. great question. I won't address too much the different interpretations of Albrecht, even though that's such an interesting subject, too. I, I love what Helgi has done, or what he wants from Albrecht here. And, um, at least back in the day, I, I know what he was after was an Albrecht that you could have compassion for and believe that she might be in love with him and believe that he really ultimately was in love with her. I, like, I think a, ca a cad doesn't work for me, actually. But I will, that, so, and then this, I think this is the second part of your question because I did dance with a few different Albrechts and um, makes a huge difference who you dance with. I mean, to me, it made a huge difference. 
When I first did it, I danced with Pierre Francois, and uh, his. And then my last show was with Yuri Pozikov, and both of them were just, you know, dreamy. So it's not. It's not a. It's not a good bad comparison, but um, I felt with um, Pierre Francois, we sort of. I felt we were similar in our approach as far as how how dramatic and how or versus how real we might present our characters real like the I'll just say r real and uh, yeah I'll just <laughs> okay uh, so I felt like we sort of met on on a similar plane and when I danced with Yuri you know, whom I adore and respect beyond words, it, he, I felt like he was here and his energy was way up here. And what, I, what ended up happening is I sort of, it balanced with me. I, I felt like I needed to be even more, like, it just felt like the conversation worked between him and me. If he, you know, if he's going, you know, you're so beautiful, I imagine it in an, a Russian accent. Right, right, right. And, um, and me just feeling like, how can this, you know, bigger than life, fabulous guy, you know, feel that way about this, me, this peasant girl. So, so it, it made me kind of do that. And, and that seemed, that just, that made our conversation work. Whereas with yeah. Pierre Francois, I felt more like it worked because he could have been a yeah. peasant guy. Oh, and yeah. so it was believable yeah. that he might fall in love with me. Does you know, that make sense? Yes, it's okay. wonderful. Okay. And I wish we could go on much longer. We have unfortunately reached the end of our time, which we have to end pretty strictly because they need to turn this into tonight's performance. I need to give you the quick choreographic notes that I promised. If you are not holding a ticket for tonight's performance, you just need to go out the way you came in on the right. Um, I hope uh, there may be tickets left for tonight and you may be inspired to go get one. If you're already holding a ticket, just go down the side corridor after you exit this way and they will scan your ticket as you enter the main lobby and easy. And you're going to remember to go and get a lookbook. And you're going to remember to go to the website sfballet.org and learn all about our next POV, which is um, program three, coming along in another two or three weeks, and we're out of time. Thank you, Joanna. Thank you, thank Francis. You. And thank you all.